Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. Welcome to the Bridge. All right. Thanks, Michaela. <clears throat> uh, Michaela, if anything happens to my son Spencer, I want you to take care of him, okay? I put you in the will. You won't get anything other than a child, though. You ready for that? Okay, she's ready. All right, guys, give it up for Michaela, please. Yeah, thanks, Michaela. Thanks for doing announcements for us. Cool. Guys, I'm excited to continue in the Gospel of Mark. Please get out your phones, and uh, let's rock out with that. Or if you're um, still amazing and you bring a Bible, that's very cool, too. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 20. And yeah, guys, discipleship started last night, and uh, it was really special. It was really fun. Um, I realized once we were halfway through, I hadn't eaten anything the entire time, and therefore was just being giddy and laughing with uh, my discipleship group the whole time, and this is really nice. So, so, so there's still time for you to come. Um, we're, we're switching off every week between um, Bible study and discipleship on Mondays, so just in your brains, just block off, like Monday at 5, Jackson and the gang will be there, I'm going to show up. So um, even if you didn't make it through this last um, time through, we want you to come um, in the next, to the next, Bible, uh, next discipleship, but also to Bible study as well. Mondays at 5, coming out, going to be a very, very special, important thing. And we're going to be learning about um, the values of discipleship, even in tonight's teaching as well. So, um, John, if you could do me a favor, can you close that door right behind you, my man? Um, so, um, I'm going to invite you guys, please stand as I read God's word. Everyone, please stand at this time. It says in Mark chapter 4, verses 1, Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in a boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Verse 3, it says, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and he scattered it across his field. Some of the seed fell in a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Everyone say, first soil. That's the first soil. Verse 5 says that other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly, quickly because the soil was shallow. Everyone say, second soil. We're examining multiple types of soil tonight. I want you guys to already start observing the different types, okay? Verse 6 says, But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Verse 7 says, Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Everyone now say, The third soil. Thank you for your participation. I value it. Verse 8 says, Still other seeds fell in fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much had been planted. You guys can sit down, and that's the fourth and last type of soil. Now, what we're learning tonight is the first parable uh, within the Gospel of Mark. Now, Jesus, he oftentimes, he would teach in these parables. Now, parables are pictures of real-life situations or examples to illustrate a deeper truth or a spiritual meaning, right? So I often do that with the text. Like, your teachers will often do that. It takes a truth, and then we put an example alongside it to give it a deeper meaning, right? Or help us to understand it more clear. But what we're going to learn that with Jesus and his parables, he wouldn't just tell you something always necessarily black and white, but he would present it in such a way of like, look, unless you dig, unless you really want to seek after me, you're not going to get this right? This isn't for the faint in heart. This isn't for the people who are just consumers and want to be entertained. No, the people who are going to dig, they're going to find treasure through these parables. 
right? Um, has anyone taken Communications 2 at Eastern Florida yet? Or, or, or in English? Like, like, okay, so Johanna's there, Colby is there, like Michaela's there, right? Or, or may, maybe you've already like come across this in whatever English class you're at in high school right now, right? But in Communications 2, it leans a lot more from uh, necessarily being grammatically correct, but it starts to look a lot more at like symbology within stories, like, like Shakespeare and a, um, a, a Midsummer Night's Dreams, things like that. And there's this one story, right? And like, like I'm coming in, I think I was like 15 when I was taking Com 2, and it was called BCC at the time. And like, the teacher's like talking about this girl, and she's dressed in all white, but she marches in to this, uh, th- this lake, and, and, and then the, another person arrived from out of the woods dressed in red. And like, she's like, all right, guys, so like, what's this mean? And they're like, everyone's rattling off. Well, the white meant this, and the red one meant that, and the, and the lake meant this. And I'm like thinking like, what book are you reading? Like, I do not know what's going on in here. Is anyone else trip? Like, is, is anyone like, like not good with this like me? You're like, I'm not willing to confess it. Okay, you got my back. Thank you for being humble. Right? Anybody love that kind of stuff? Okay, Autumn's into it, Michaela's into it. Okay, so I'm 15. I'm like, what is going on? I'm, I'm going to fail this class. I think I got a C for the record, right? But C's get degrees. You didn't hear that from me, right? So this symbology stuff was hard for me, right? And so, so um, I also didn't study very much either. So I didn't necessarily learn it either, right? So here's the thing. Jesus, he's going to be taking us through some parables, some, some, some great examples, but we're going to have to dig to find the treasure here. And oftentimes in the text and uh, parts of the Old Testament, it uses this terminology called, you must incline your ear, right? You must incline your ear to this word. That means to listen intently, attentively, and receptively, right? It's usually used in reference to listening to God, right? And I think a lot of times in conversations in our world with everything going on, right, there's no real dialogue happening, is there? Right? Everyone uh, j- just wants to find what they believe. They want to find, quote unquote, their truth. And instead of really talking to dialogue and to learn, we're all just really waiting for our turn to talk. Right? We're not really inclining our ears to hear. And Jesus is saying, unless you incline your ear to these things, you will not get it. Right? If we allow and if people allow to God's word to go in one ear and out the other, the natural result of that is there's no fruit, there's no result, there's no production, right? It's important that we consume God's word and we listen in such a way that we want to retain it. And true disciples learn in such a way that they want to teach it then again to other people. Let's read on in verse 12. It says, when they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and forgive. And so what we had going on with these people who were coming to hear Jesus teach, sometimes it was a whole lot of people, and sometimes it was just a very small, select few. But the masses, they were there to be entertained. They were there to consume, but they did not want to digest, and they did not really want to process. I was meeting with Lawson yesterday. And we were just talking about some very wild things in the Bible, because the Bible is full of some wild truths and some wild stories, right? And Lawson made a good point. He's like, we have to understand is that God's word is to be studied, right? It's to be researched. We got to dig deeper, right? There's context. There's history here from thousands of years ago. And yes, it's alive. And yes, it's active. And yes, it's still going to bless my life today. But unless we go deep with it, we're not going to get 
much out of it. It says in verse 13, Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of the parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Verse 14 says, The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. So if you were that student that was tracking with me, and you're just like, I'm not so into the symbology uh, thing. Like, let me, let me just pick apart what we've unpacked so far. Okay, so in this story, this is the best uh, this is just your classic vacation Bible school answer ever. Who is the farmer in this story? Who does that represent? This person planting the seeds. It, it is us because through Christ, yes, we are ambassadors of Christ. As disciples of him, we are representatives of him, and we are going around and spreading seeds. So, yes, I do believe it's us. Let's look. Go ahead. It's already on the screen. Okay, cool. There it is. Yes. Christ, and like Alex said, through the Spirit, us as well. Now, what is the seed? The seed is the word of God. It's the Bible. It's the truth, right? And as you guys know, it's not like Jesus opened up and was reading from the book of Matthew to these people. It hadn't yet been written. You guys realize that, right? Like, like, like this stuff is being said for the first time by Jesus, but it still is the word of God. It still is the truth. That's the seed that he's talking about that is being planted right now. So what is the soil in the story? The soil is our hearts and the hearts of others. And we just looked at four different types of soil, and we're going to be learning from these different types of people and these different types of hearts tonight, right? So let me ask you guys this. How do we know if the spreading and the planting of the seed, God's word and sharing it in your life and the lives of others, I want you you guys to please talk to me for a second. Please respond. How do we know if it's effective or not? How do we know if the word of God is effective in your life and the people that we share it with? How do you know if, if it's doing any good? Change. I like that word. Cool. What else? Agree. Growth. Yes. Good job on sticking. Are you doing good in uh, language and communications right now? Because you're doing good right now. Oh, sorry, Joshua. <laughs> You're just like, you're looking at me, bro? Sorry, man, it's, it's dark over there. Right, yeah, I think that, and I, I like that we're going to see a changed life, a transformed life, a life that's turned itself over to not my will anymore, but now, God, it's your will. You're the captain now, right? But I also see within the context of this story, I see that there will be growth, right? In Christian circles, a Christianese term we like to use of, uh, if someone says they're talking the talk of following a Jesus, we ask the question, we're like jokingly say, where's the fruit, Right? Man, if there is going to be somebody that's claiming to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it will produce, there will be growth, there will be change, right? There will be a fruit present out of the seed that's been planted within our heart. We do believe this word of God that you hold, it's alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? And we believe, this is from David Guzik, he says, we believe in a word that works, because it says in James that faith without works is dead. So when we hear this word, we want to be doers of it as well. We want to actually practice what it says. Because I remember this, the beginning of this DC Talk record, Brendan Manning used to come on and said that the number one reason people do not believe is because of other Christians, they see Christians, who people who claim to be followers of Christ, proclaim one thing and then go out and do something completely different. And that is something that they simply can find and say that that is unbelievable, right? So here's the thing. We want to be people saying, yes, I hear the word of God, and I'm also going to do what it says as well. So with this growth, we're talking about seeds being planted, But if these seeds that Jesus is going to be telling us about tonight in the soil, if it takes no root, it will never do what it was supposed to do, right? If you're not growing, guys, listen, 
if you're not growing in depth with your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's very dangerous, right? That is, that's it's very gnarly. So man, I, I pray that you walk out of here tonight with a conviction, like I'm looking at four different types of soil. I'm looking at different types of seed and that ain't gonna be my heart. No, man, I'm gonna be the fourth type of soil tonight. So the next thing I wanna see on the screen is this point is that many seeds will be planted, but not every seed will grow. What that means is that many people will hear about Jesus, but not all will become children of God. Your job as a Christ follower is to work hard for Christ. You must water the seed, it says in Corinthians. You must plant the seed and you must cultivate the soil, that's your heart, and the hearts of others for optimal growth. But who is the only one, please talk to me, who's the only one that can actually bring any growth or change as we shared earlier? Who is that? God, the Holy Spirit. Only he can do that, man. We're gonna water, we're gonna plant, we're gonna cultivate, but only God can bring the growth. So we trust him. We just obey and we trust him with the results. So let's look at soil, uh, soil one. The disciples go to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, we don't get it. So please explain. Jesus is saying, I'm gonna explain now. So verse 15 says, the seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once to take it away. Now this is, a, a foot past soil, right? The seed went into the soil that is not really concrete, but it's along a footpath, right? And the farmer scattered the seed along a footpath, right? So it's, it's kind of like saying there's a lot of walking going on in this, this soil. There's a lot of traffic going on, right? And so if we're saying that the soil is a type of heart, I think that this is a type of person that has a lot going on in their life. And that's so common for us as Americans, right, to just jam our lives full. There's busy and there's so much noise in their life. Man, sometimes I get convicted because there's always noise in my life, whether it's music, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a teaching, whether it's conversing, whether it's Netflix, whether it's sports, right? Man, I think that the moment I wake up in the morning, I'm so quick to start putting noise in my brain and in my head and in my thoughts, right? And and, and, and I'm drowning out any room for God in my life. This type of soil is what it's saying is that there's people who hear about Jesus, but there's no room for him in their life, right? So guys, when I tell you that the word of God, it's alive and it's active and it's relevant and applicable and still the most perfect truth we'll ever find on this side of eternity, how true is that for us today? I mean, that's so true. And Jesus is still wanting to protect us from it today. And you as a high schooler, like it's wild. I've used these examples with you before, but we got to continue to guard our hearts against um, going uh, to, to, a, to a life that's so jammed up to where there's no room in our heart for Jesus Christ, right? Because like, I mean, like, like you have IB and AP and you have dual enrollment and then you have piano and then you have sports and then you have clubs and then you have club sports, right? And then there's internships and then there's work on top of everything else. You guys are at school eight hours a day and then you have three hours worth of homework. Let's, we're protests. We're not going back. Are you with me? Let's protest. Let's start our own protest now. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying, right? But the truth is that those things aren't bad. I've participated in those things. I was blessed by those things, right? These things get weird and wonky and bad when there's no room for God to be able to sink into our hearts, right? In, in, in 2 Corinthians, 
Paul writes to the church at Corinth saying, leave room in your hearts for us. Man, I love that, and I need to hear that tonight. Man, I want to leave room in my heart for God because I want God's word to be able to take root. I want it to have room to grow. Please read with me on the screen, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, everyone do this. Say kidneys. <laughs> Fell for it. It's your brain. Right? Think. Think about these things. Think about these things. Other translations will say contemplate, dwell, right? It means to consider. It means to take account, to weigh, to meditate on, right? Man, with God's word, he doesn't want us to go in, in one ear and out the other. Half attention or no attention, right? Thinking about what I'm going to do after youth group tonight, right? Or in the Devo, looking at the words but not consuming it, right? No, God wants us to meditate on his word. Another way to look at this footpath, this soil, is maybe a person that doesn't really give it much thought. They see you. And guys, I love you so much. Like, I really do. Like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be your pastor. Like, like you're not my kids at all, right? But, but if I was a father and you were my children, I'd be, I brag about you so, so, it's so easy for me to brag on you because you're such mighty men and women of God, right? And, and with that, I see you guys living these amazing Christian lives that I'm just so honored to be your pastors with, right? And when people see your life, you have a certain type of people that they see you and like, that's good for them. I'm glad they have that, right? And they don't think too much of it one way or another. They don't think you're awful for being a Christian, but they don't really give it much thought in general, right? And I think that's another way to consider and look at this footpath. But then I have to think for a second. I have to look at my own life. How much am I really thinking about um, longing to be home with Jesus in heaven, right? How much am I really longing thinking about the new heavens and the new earth? How much am I really expecting and looking forward to Jesus coming back? How much is his return affecting the way that I live today, right? Man, man, man when I think about that, it freaks me out because sometimes I don't really care about the next life, right? Right? Sometimes I don't really care about investing into eternity. And in that moment, I'm like, God, forgive me. Man, I got to be eternally minded. I got to fix my eyes upon you, Jesus Christ. I got to run the race. I don't want to get caught up in the distractions and the things of this world, right? Man, man, we will experience that with other people that we share our faith with. They'll see your life and they won't think too much of it. And sometimes in your life, I want you to contemplate on what it really means to be a Christ follower, right? What it really means to love him with all of your heart, soul, and mind, right? Sometimes I remember being a nurse, and uh, uh, I, day in, day out, I was with unbelievers, which was awesome, right? Because I got to minister to them. They knew I was just a volunteer in youth, and they're like, Jackson, you're always going on these trips. You use your vacation time to, like, go hang out with teenagers to tell them about Jesus. And they used to always say to me, like, Jackson, haven't you been to church enough this week, right? I, I, I can't remember who it was in their testimony last week was uh, just saying about how, like, I don't go because, I think that was Michael sharing, like, I don't do this because, like, I have to, and I'm trying to earn something. I like it. I'm blessed by the community, right? And so, so I'd have to try to share that with them. But I remember, you know, with, with such educated, like, just, just doctors and other nurse and other people, they would come to me and say, Jackson, where's the proof, man? 
Like, that's cool you're all into that, but, but where's the proof of what you believe? Like, and, I'd, and I would try to, like, give them an answer, and they'd be like, all right, Jackson, you're talking about these manuscripts. Where are these manuscripts located, right? Or, Jackson, this doesn't make sense. What about this injustice over here or this wrong over here? And I would attempt to explain, but they, they weren't willing to dialogue. They weren't willing to listen. They weren't really willing to give it too much thought, and they just went on their way, right? And Jesus is saying that if soil falls on this type, a seed falls on this type of soil, excuse me, that it's not going to be able to take root, right? But it's not our job. We can't dictate. Um, it's not our job to necessarily go and judge the soil before we share and plant the seeds of Jesus Christ. No, our job is to plant the seed wherever we go and trust God with the results. So here's the key to growth for us. The first key for our growth that I want us to remember and learn through this is that we must leave room in your heart for the word. You guys, leave room. Make time for God's word. You will never not hear me te- do a teaching without challenging you in that because we gather together to be challenged and encouraged in that again. So let's look at the next soil now. It's going to be a rocky soil. It says in verse 16, it says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. They're like, that Jesus thing? That is awesome. I'm in. I like the way that community looks. I like the things y'all do. Man, Jesus, man, what, what a, what, man, he, he started, man, a revolution. Man, wow. Like, 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 that's crazy. Like, he's risen from dead. I believe that. I'm in. They hear about it, and they're like, I got a new life. My life was bad. I'm in on that. Let's go. Right? They're hyped about it. Verse 17 says, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word, right? There's a person, man, they, they hear about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They hear about how they can also be a child of God. And they're into it and they like it, but they run into a problem with this type of soil. Is that Jesus is saying this type of person, they don't last long because they don't have deep roots. They didn't go deep enough with God. Satan comes and attacks them, right? And other people, as you guys know, will come and hurt them, right? Evil arise. And then that Christ follower, right, who doesn't have a strong enough foundation to resist the hardships of the world because they're certainly there and they're certainly real. They begin to say, I didn't sign up for this and I don't want to be a part of this. Man, you're telling me when I am a Christian, more hardship is going to come into my life? Didn't read that part. Don't like that. Or, God, where are you? Where were you in the midst of this? Like, they think that when they go through hardship, they're saying, God, you must not be real, right? They were, I was pumped about you, God, but I'm still in hard times, and you're not here, man, so maybe I'm out, right? That's a person who didn't go very deep. They didn't have an understanding of how God uses hardships in our life, right? Or maybe they arrive at a certain part of Scripture, and they have no context behind it, and they have no understanding about it, and say, God, you, I thought you were loving, but it says that in there? Right? I can't, I can't be a part of that. Right? Jesus is saying there's a type of person, there's a type of soil, there's a type of heart who hears, the God's, hear God's, hears God's word, and they were hyped about it, but they didn't go very deep. And so when something challenging came along, it was at a, a level where Satan was able to come and pluck that word away. It's Charles Spurgeon, he says this, Some professing Christians have no root in themselves, 
the root is in their parents or in their Christian friends or in their pastor or in their enthusiastic surroundings, then there are many more whose religion must be sustained by enthusiastic surroundings. They seem to have been baptized in boiling water, and unless the temperature around them is kept up to that point, they wither away. The religion that is born is of mere excitement and will die when the excitement is over. Man, man, Jesus is saying, and there's, there's a shallow person here who hears about me. And, and, and they didn't go very deep with me. And therefore, because they were shallow, they connected themselves to something shallow. You know what a weak faith is here? You know what a shallow faith is? Is, is if my faith is my parents' faith, right? Man, man me and uh, Connor were at Boardwalk Beach before we went back to college. And uh, man, we, we went up and we're going to tell this guy about Jesus. And he was a really nice dude. And uh, he started telling us about how his father was a pastor, his grandfather was a pastor, and how he was baptized at this age and all this stuff. And, and uh, there was no active relationship with Jesus Christ in his life, but he thought he was good because of his pedigree, you know, right? And a weak faith is your parents' faith, right? I'm not saying your parents have a weak faith, but if that's what you're tied to and that's what you're connected to, man, if that's what your faith is dependent upon, then that is a weak faith. Another weak faith is your friend's faith, right? Man, Lawson and Nathan and Daniel, right? Like, like they love each other a lot, right? But what if one of you guys goes off and just because you're not bros anymore in this community anymore and you go off, but your faith was connected to this, just this friendship thing, right? But, and you go off and when that friendship is no longer in the proximity that it used to be, it dies. That was pretty shallow, Right? Like, that's a blessing of being a Christ follower is the community that comes along with it. But that is not the foundation of our faith, right? And that's what Jesus is wanting us to be protected from. What about your pastor's faith, right? Time and time again within the church, we have these um, sinful fallouts from pastors, right? And then what happens? So many Christians fall along with them because their faith was connected to a person rather than God, right? That was shallow, right? And that pastor is going to be held accountable for that. But if, you're, if your faith is really connected to me and I'm your savior, I can't save you every week. Man, Jesus can only be your savior, right? Don't connect your salvation to anyone else but Christ alone, right? You know what else is another shallow faith? It's spiritual highs. Mike talked about this two weeks ago on Bridge Sunday, right? Man, a spiritual high, man, there's sometimes, guys, man, I was talking in discipleship yesterday with some of the students, man. When is my soul thrilled with a sense of destiny? I think a couple of us, including me, we're talking about how we love mission trips, right? Because, man, day in, day out, man, we're waking up doing evangelism. We're staying up to, like, like, two in the morning doing evangelism, man. We're in adventure. We're not in school. We're not in work. We're just there to go out and tell people about Jesus, man. We're on the mountaintop. And it's fire. It's dope. That's why we do it as much as we're able to, right? But the thing is, some people only have a relationship to God when they're on that mission trip. And they're only on fire for God when they're on uh, at that retreat or at that conference, right? Man, and, and those things are a blessing. And those things are incredible um, encouragements to our faith. But, I mean, if, if it's connected to these events and these moments and these trips, that's a faith that Jesus is saying, man, if, if that's as deep as you're going to go, man, like that, that is a dangerous soil and a shallow soil to be a part of. You guys know there's a movement happening within the United States and really across the globe, been going on in Europe for some time, but that people my age, a little bit younger than me and a little bit older than me, there's a movement happening and it's called a post-Christian movement. 
a bunch of people, a bunch of young people who have grown up in the church and said, I'm not like, I'm not going to associate with that thing anymore, right? Man, it's not really that cool to be a part of anymore. And truth is, it never really was. Um, and there's some truths that I'm learning about that I just can't reconcile, right? And these people, right? And they're, they're, therefore, they're, they're stepping away from the faith, right? They're not digging deeper, right? They're not trusting the word of God, right? They're not trusting Jesus Christ, right? I think that's what's happening is that they're running into hard truths, but they're not really bringing it to maybe mentors or disciple makers or their brothers in Christ who are really going to point him back to truth or say, man, that is kind of crazy. Let's dig deeper with this thing. But they're going to people who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Instead of inclining their ear, like Jesus tells us to do, they want to go to people, other people that are going to agree with them and back up what they believe, right? Or back up this new thing that they found, right? And they're saying, God says that about sexuality. God's truth is that black and white. He says he's the only way, the truth and the life, right? He says he's the only way to heaven and God. Man, I don't know. I'm out on that, right? Man, 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 I read the book of Acts and, and it didn't look like Calvary Chapel, right? Man, like this is all a joke. It's all, it's all just a machine, right? Right? And therefore, we have all these people leaving the faith. But Jesus, he did not withhold hard truths, right? Even in this story, he's telling it in such a way that he's not trying to just gain numbers of people to follow him, right? He's keeping it so real and he's preaching such a hard truth, right? He's like, look, like, I want you to come back. But if you don't come back tomorrow to hear tomorrow's teaching, that's between you and the Lord. It's not on me. Or, well, yeah, it is on him, right? But he's just saying, like, I'm, I'm not here to just tell you only what you want to hear, right? I'm going to bring it to you, and I'm going to keep it real, and I love you, and I want you to receive it, right? There's no greater way. I, I've already done all I can so that you can receive me as your Savior, but, but I'm not going to just tell you what you want to hear. He kept it real with them. So for us, the next thing I want to see is I want us to be people that go deep with God. I want you to study the word. I want you to ask hard questions. We're in this series on Monday nights called Can I Ask That? I mean, we're hitting on the heavy hitters, and some of them make us all feel uncomfortable. We're looking at things the Bible says, because I'd rather ask that together and with you than let you guys go off to college and then try to figure out that stuff apart from the community of Christ, right? No, we have to have mentors in your life. Man, if you guys run into something hard, if you run into something challenging, come in and challenge me with that, right? Man, because that, I think that, that, that will test my faith and therefore strengthen my faith, right? And you guys, you have to go deep with God's word. Man, if this is the only time that you're in the word right now, so dangerous. That makes you in a very gnarly position, right? That puts you in great position to have a very shallow faith, man. You have to have a daily relationship with God, letting him speak to you through his word, and then you communicate and commune with him through prayer, right? Man, it's, 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 it's difficult, but we must arrange our life and set ourselves up to have a vibrant relationship with God. Man, our key to growth is that we're going to go deep with God, right? So get this, right? The disciples, they heard some truths they didn't understand, right? You're going to come into some scriptures that you're not going to understand. So what did the disciples do? They're like, Jesus, we don't get it, right? If you come to something, right? Megan Watson in the back, she's always like throwing gnarly stuff at me, right? And even about my own teaching, she's like, Jackson, you said this. And was that like, was that correct? I'm like, I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> you know, and we look at it together, right? Man, 
we, the disciples are like, I don't get this, right? So Jesus, can you explain? That is a good thing. If you go digging with God's word, I promise you with all my heart, you will certainly find treasure and embrace it. And I was telling the students recently, I want us to be like public stock boys, right? Right? And if you go to a, um, a, a guy or a girl, like stocking shells, like, like canned peas or whatever, like an aisle 17, and you're like, hey, man, like, where's the, the cinnamon toast crunch? Man, he's going to be like, it's going to be aisle 34. You're going to go uh, about 10 yards down, third shelf. You're going to see it. It's right there at General Mills. It's buy one, get one free today. Right, man, he knew it like that. Man, that's how I want us to be with the word of God, right? When we run into these challenging questions, instead of just leaving myself to my own devices, right, my own thoughts, like I want to have those, but I want to ask a question and say, you know what, well, like, let's see what God's word says about that. Man, I want us to be able to know the address of God's word so well that we can go and find that for ourselves. Let's read on. It says in verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. And just so you guys know, we're about to talk about this in groups, right? So be ready for this, okay? The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. This is similar to me, to the seed on the rocky path, right? And they, they, they say, God's cool, right? Like, 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 that's a cool part of my life. Right? That's, that's a cool thing I, I want in my life. I want to learn these certain good morals and these things like that. Right? But man, man, the worries of life and, and, and the things that, that the world tells us to chase, pretty into that also. Right? Man, I, I like getting ahead in this life. Right? Man, I like having this really nice car and this really big house. Right? I like these clothes or these shoes or these certain possessions. Right? Man, I struggle with that so bad. Man, I'd be, man I, I, I'm going to show you a picture of how many shoes I have in my closet, right? It's not cool, man. You're like, whoa, Jackson, it's pretty weird, right? And I have to like, like, like my wife has to be like, Jack, you don't, probably don't need another pair of shoes, right? Like, like man, so, sometimes I, like I'm not up here condemning anybody or anything, but I'm here to challenge us to not get caught up by the lure of wealth or desire for other things, man. I tell you guys, man, sometimes I can, like, I can just get so obsessed with like whatever my next vacation is, Right? more than loving the person in front of me, right? I mean, Jesus is saying this is a common danger and potentially a trap if it gets weird, but he also said that no one can serve two masters, right? So let's look at the worries of life for a second. I think that's maybe my status or my popularity or my relationships or my achievements. I mean, you get so caught up in that or I have this stress and this anxiety and this fear and this worry and I never bring it to God, right? And that's the worries of life, right? Or the lure of wealth, my possessions, right? And we can abandon our callings for possessions, and your possessions can get the best of you, right? Other translation says it comes in, and the word of God, which you have, it comes in and it chokes the word. It squeezes it out of you, right? The seed is there. It's growing, right? And, and people with this type of soil, I mean, it, it, there's growth there, but it's not the most important thing to you. It's just simply part of your life, right? And that's a scary thing. And Satan would love for you to have the truth you have. Because I, I guarantee I'd have a one-on-one conversation with you. And that you're probably going to be able to answer a lot of things theologically correct and things right about the Bible. Right? But Jesus would love those seeds of truth to be in you and for you to never do anything with it. He's like, cool, you keep the seeds. But if it's not producing anything in your life and the lives of those around you, 
say, just as you are, like you are, God. Now, he wants us to, to receive this word and let it transform us from the inside out, right? And there's some times in life, you know, in my own life, um, in seasons of life when I was close to God, right? I was close to the things of God, but yet my heart was still far from him, right? I was staying sick and I was staying hurt, right? There was no, I was close to the things of God, but there's no healing happening in my life. Man, I mean, I was close to the things of God, but I was still hurt from my past. My relationships weren't getting better, and my decision-making really wasn't changing, right? Man, if that's where we're at, we got to make a change, right? There's certain times when you're going to go tell people about Jesus Christ, and, and they're going to see that Jesus is a part of my life, but he's not supreme in my life, right? We cannot go out like that. So let's look at the next key to growth. It is we must invite the Spirit to be part of every part of our life. Every place, not just first place, right? And everyone says, keep God number one, right? No, it says in God's word that we invite God to every single part of our life, every single thing. It's not God and family, wife, school, work, whatever, right? No, God wants to be a part of everything you do. As the Holy Spirit, he is as close as your breath. You are a temple of him, and you're supposed to be led by him in that way. So embrace that and walk close to him. Now we're going to get to the good soil. This is in verse 20. It says, the seed that fell in the good soil represents those who hear God's word and they accept it and they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted, right? So, man, if, if they drop this knowledge, like Jesus is telling this story and he's telling it to people who everyone's farming for their food, right? And they hear this and they're saying, this is supernatural. Soil and seeds do not have a production like this. What is this type of seed you are talking about? This is shocking to the crowd. This is an abnormal growth and abnormal reproduction. He's saying, there's a soil that are going to hear my word. And they're going to say, your love is better than life. They're going to say, God, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. God, here I am. Use me. Wherever you go, I'll go. And if you tell me to stay, I'll stay. He's saying, that's the type of soil when seed falls upon it. It's going to produce a crop of 30 to 60 to 90 to 120 times what the one seed was supposed to be, right? It's miraculous. It's out of this world. There's a group of you in this room right now. I'm not going to single this group out, but you were in middle school, and there was a prophetic word given to me for you. And I, and I, and I told this group that, that I believe that the Lord has told me you are good soil. You are good soil. And that was when you were in middle school, seventh grade. And now you're, you're getting older. And that word is coming true. And we're called to test the spirit and, and, and test this word. And I see this, this, this reproduction happening in your life. And it's been the most thrilling thing I've ever seen since I've been a pastor. Thrilling thing I've seen since I've been in ministry. More thrilling than anything I've gotten to do. But when I look at your life and I see God using you to make his name great, man, there's nothing. That's what thrills my soul with a sense of destiny is seeing you come alive in your gifting. So I just thank you for your obedience and your love for God and that you are that soil. Please bow your heads. Let me pray for you. God, I love you, Lord. God, I pray for every student in this word. God, that we would take this word and saying, God, cultivate me right now. Take my heart. If my heart is callous, if my heart is hard, God, if there's been seeds scattered across my heart, but it can't get in there, 
God, tear off the calluses right now. Take away my heart of stone because I'm ready for this word to come and start working inside me right now. If there's a student in here, everyone's heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and you feel like you've hardened your heart to letting God transform you, if you've hardened your heart to letting the word bring production out of your life, fruit out of your life, I just want to pray over you right now. If that's you, just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. I see you, bro. Anyone else? Good. Ten more seconds. Is there anyone else? God, I love you, Lord. God, and I pray, God, get the soil in this room. God, that we would be a people that go out and produce 30 to 60 to 90 to 120 times that of which we could do on our own, God. That we would do supernatural things for your kingdom. That God, through us, many people would come to know you, Father God. God, if there's any of us in this room, God, some of us had the boldness to proclaim it, God, but if anyone even didn't proclaim it, God, you would soften our heart right now. Spirit, we accept you. We accept the work you're coming alongside to do in us right now, God. We love you and we need you, Lord. It's name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.